Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Niger again, our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. As always, I start each episode with sincere gratitude for all the followers that we have worldwide. Um, this is uh, the highlight of my week. Uh, Julie is actually with me today, and she's going to jump on. Uh, a few things that we want to cover, but uh, thank you to all of us, uh, all of you guys who follow us and contact me. Um, I try to get back to everybody uh, as quickly and the best that I can, and I thoroughly enjoy um, doing this and sharing our knowledge and our collective experiences and education in uh, a field that uh, I have devoted my life to, um, and I, I find nothing but satisfaction and gratification um, in being able to educate and demystify, legitimize, destigmatize, and emphasize uh, there is hope in this nebulous field of mental health. Um, so I'm continuing on this journey um, of borderline personality disorder. Don't worry, I have tons of other topics, but uh, I've spoke with a lot of people and uh, met with a lot of people for consultations and, and various situations, even though we're not treating anyone. Uh, and coming from a different perspective where a lot of the earlier episodes, I did my best to kind of give an accurate depiction of what borderline personality disorder is. And I've said this um, multiple times that it is a disorder that I truly believe is much more common than what is listed in the DSM. It's something I encounter frequently. Uh, it's probably one of the disorders that I get the most phone calls about, that people come from all over the world for me to evaluate them, which is truly humbling and, and much gratitude and appreciation. But one that is, I think, entirely misunderstood, uh, underdiagnosed significantly, especially in an adolescent uh, and younger population, which for myself as a diagnostician and neuropsychologist is incredibly frustrating um, that people go undiagnosed um, for whatever reason. But uh, I think it does a disservice if you're not giving a person a diagnosis when they meet the criteria independent of the age. So, uh, as I mentioned in previous episodes, I've worked on becoming more diligent and prepping, uh, even though I still probably go off on tangents and do this organically, but I, I have my notes and I have stuff from when I was a student, and I, I've been using a lot of the work from um, the Eggshells book. And I've been doing the last few episodes on uh, approaching borderline from the perspective of what it's like to be in a relationship with somebody with borderline personality disorder. So today, we're, you know, we talked about, um, you know, the four subtypes. That, again, these are not clinical, but these are ones that uh, the authors of the Stop Walking on Eggshells series have conceptualized. I think it's a, it's a good uh, heuristic to just kind of wrap your head around four. Um, the witch, the queen, the, the, the waif, and the hermit. Um, we don't diagnose those, but it's a good way, I think, to kind of just take the 120 different combinations and break them down into something that's more manageable and palatable. 
So today I'm going to talk about something that occurs in very often in relationships with individuals with borderline personality. And again, for the sake of conversation, please forgive me if I just refer to borderline or the borderline. Uh, it's not to take away from the legitimacy and the severity and the integrity of this uh, form of psychopathology, but just for the sake of conversation. Okay, so today we're going to talk about emotional blackmail. Now, this is something that really transcends across uh, relationships with individuals with borderline personality. It could also come across in other relationships uh, or other different types of pathologies or just, you know, blackmail in general. But we're going to focus on emotional blackmail. And I'm going to, I'm going to use the definition by uh, Dr. Susan, Susan Forward. And what she said is emotional blackmail is a form of manipulation in which people uh, close to us threaten directly or indirectly to punish us if we don't do what they want. Um, and and she uses the, the acronym, which I think is really good. And I'll probably do another episode on this just not so we don't go over, you know, way over time. Um, the acronym is really FOG, Fear obligation and guilt and and individuals with borderline personality disorder uh they use emotional blackmail because it's the best the only way for them to get what they want or what they perceive that they need um so you know fog i think if you just kind of wrap your head around it as you know fear and uh obligation and and guilt and and fog kind of works. Think of it in, in the dark. It's not something that you you directly see. Uh, it resides in, in in the ether of um, the land of emotion and not logic. And any time we make an emotional decision, it generally feels good in the moment, but emotional decisions are generally not good in hindsight. Um, and even though, you know, borderline is a very emotionally charged uh, form of psychopathology and personality disorder, and the, you, those of you who follow this program know that I am not an advocate of dialectical behavioral therapy at all and strictly cognitive behavioral therapy but you know emotions are part of this disorder but the emotions from a cbt perspective are simply the artifacts of um thoughts which lead to behaviors and they're the byproduct um so at the heart of this it, this flawed reasoning i think with 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 you know, if we just use the acronym FOG, um, basically the, the borderline individual says, it is permissible for me to push your buttons to get my needs met, but if you try the same thing, I'll, I will make sure that you regret your selfishness. I want, I want to kind of, I don't know if I can say that again, but, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's, it's okay for me to push your buttons. It's okay for me to be emotionally abusive. It's okay for me to be threatening. It's okay for me to be unfaithful. It's okay for me to basically do what I want because the borderline is constantly in a state of psychological survival. Okay, uh, but if you try, but they're basically saying whether overtly or or covertly, if you try the same thing, I will wreak havoc on your life. And that would put somebody in relationship with, a, with somebody with borderline in a state of fear. And often the, a lot of people will acquiesce to the demands of the borderline because of the fear of what that potential could be. And it could be a range of things. It could be, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out for the night with my friends to I'm going to go cheat on you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drain the bank account and do whatever. It, it, it really runs the gamut. 
Okay, um, so the, the the emotional blackmailer's logic is illogical. Their reasoning is illogical. Um, they live by a, a double standard, and that's why emotional that's why emotional blackmail is really never discussed in a relationship. Be kind of outright, and and the minute you try to shine light on it, and I'm not talking. Well, I guess I think from a uh, depending where you're at from a. You know, a treatment perspective, if, if I was the treatment provider, um, I think it's a little different in pointing it out. But if you're if you're in a relationship with somebody and they are an emotional blackmailer with borderline personality disorder, um, if you if you they they kind of like scurry away in, into the dark and they, they, they flip it around. And if, and if you try and pin a blackmailer down, um, here's an example. Like, are you saying that you you will pout if I refuse to go to the party with you. And they're going to project that right back onto you with being overly dramatic, getting angry. And and oftentimes the anger has really nothing to do with the topic. It's, it, it's, it's almost like, like, seriously, it's like the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Um, and the whole goal is to really throw you off balance. So... You know how how blackmailing works and how how uh, Doctor Ford breaks this down is is really into um, you know what what she calls a fog transaction. Again, remember, fog is fear, obligation, guilt, um, and the first part is the demand. And again, this this is I'm taking you know her work, but I'm also using my notes and my own interpretation and and, and knowledge on this. And, so the demand is now these the demand can be direct, I want custody of the kids, uh, or indirect. Um, nothing's wrong. I know you don't have time to listen to me for my, my my petty problems. Like woe is me. That's more your your waif and your hermit. Woe is me. You know I want custody. That's probably more your queen and and, and your witch. Um, so you know the unspoken demand is that if you don't insist on a full accounting of the fight right now and take their side, they're going to sulk and get angry. And, you know, in these relationships, because they're like the slot machines, they eventually pay out. You know, you, you, people try to just kind of quell the scene. Okay, we don't want the police called. We don't want bottles being thrown. We don't want all this, you know, hysteria. Uh, but the first part of the fog transaction where, the, where you know, fear, obligation, and, and uh, guilt is, is what is the demand? And the second is the resistance. So... In, in, in your heart, you know you don't want to play this game if you're in a relationship with a borderline. You, you, you know that you don't want to engage in this at, at, at a logical level. Um, you know, you want to take a walk on a nice day and, 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 and you say, you know, can we just have this discussion a different day, which is a very healthy um, coping mechanism or intervention for somebody. Say, hey, you know what? Things are getting a little heated right now. Can we have this conversation at a different time? Because when emotion goes up, logic goes down. Um, and then the, the individual with borderline says, you know, uh, I guess so. Now we, we know what that means is fine. I guess so like that. It's the unspoken subtext is subtext is, you know what? I want to, I want to talk about it right now. And, uh, this may kind of hit one of, one of your buttons and you feel, uh, you feel like you are, you're giving person who cares about your your friends and 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 the blackmailer is 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 kind of reconstructing your image to make you second guess yourself. The third transaction um, is pressure and threats. 
And depending on, on, on a lot of different factors, pressure and threats can be they can be subtle or quite direct. And again, you can see some some are more passive, and I think you see the passive part in you know just using the the, the heuristics and the and the subtypes that the uh, the eggshell authors use the wave and the hermit. I think those are more passive, uh, even passive aggressive, and the queen and the and the. Um, Oh God! I just forgot the sentence several times. The, the queen and the the witch um, tend to be more 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 direct, um, and and you know the pressure and the threats and you know they make you uh, they they play on the sense of of this fog you know moniker and you know. People don't like to be feel pressure, and people don't like to be threatened. And a lot of times, in in relationships with individuals with the borderline, uh, they can be threatening self harm. You know, they can be threatening suicidal ideation or suicidal attempts. That if you know, it's kind of this if then, and it's you know, it can be a very scary place to be in. Because those are scary things, you know. Like, oh, if I if I leave for you know, just take a take a walk or take a break from this, are they gonna are they gonna cut themselves? If they're standing there with a razor in their hand, or if you're dealing with a child or adolescent, and you say, you know what, honey, you can't wear that short of a skirt to school. I hate you, mom. And they, they take a knife and they run upstairs, and then there's silence, and they and you know what the what's going on. So these can be very scary, unpredictable situations, and you're dealing with a personality that is incredibly fragmented. But again, as I said, all the parts are there and I want to reiterate what I clarified last week when I said borderline personality is not only treatable and curable the caveat is one the person has to be uncomfortable enough and the person has to be ready and willing to engage in treatment that is those are crucial variables for someone to make progress and I think for a variety probably every psychiatric condition those are two essential variables being uncomfortable saying I'm tired of thinking feeling and acting this way and then also a desire to change but change because they want to not change the kind of what we call like reactionary change where you've exhausted all these different options you're like you're ready to end the relationship it's like you know what now I'm going to go to therapy you know what that doesn't work that's just chains to quell the situation, to, to, to put a damper on, on and, and mute the intensity of whatever's going on. And that change, generally, from my experience, does not last. Um, and the fourth transaction with, 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 with the fog transaction is, is compliance. You've heard the same story from them over and over and over again. And... You know that if you just keep rushing over, they're never going to learn to start dealing with the problems. Um, it, it's, it's really an exercise in futility. Um, but, you know, the blackmailer is afraid uh, that, you know, and they, it's, it's, um, they, they, they create this, 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 this interaction that really makes, uh, people in relationships with somebody with borderline personality kind of question their own sanity and maintaining the status quo because just striving for the peace, um, just striving for the, the, the peace in terms of I don't want this you know, emotional volatility, uh, this emotional dysregulation. And again, you are not responsible for treating your partner, your child, your friend, your cousin, your uncle, your brother, whatever, your dentist. You're not responsible for treating them. This is the job of people who are professionals uh, 
to treat psychiatric conditions. That's why we go to school for as long as we do. And, you know, it's, it's, it, we, I think people sometimes have that knight in shining armor syndrome where they want to help the person, and that's great. But you have to ask yourself, at what, ex at what price am I paying? How much of myself am I losing in this interaction with this person? And is it easy to walk away from a relationship? I, you know, I think it depends on the type of relationship. Like I said last week, you know, you just some people that you know, they, it's like you look tell their, their their adult son or daughter, like I just can't, I can't do this anymore, and that's hard. That is very hard. But you know, you have to look at and take care of yourself because this disorder can swallow you along with the other individual, and when it turns into this incredibly complicated. Uh, enmeshed Venn diagram where you don't know where you start and the other person begins, it can be really difficult to disentangle that and, and you can get sucked in very, very easily. But emotional blackmail is 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 very, very common in, in dealing with individuals with, with borderline personality disorder. And it's all about getting you to feel bad about the where they are at in life. You know, whether it's something, whether it's something that happened that you had nothing to do with, could have been their childhood, or you know, you you didn't text enough times during the day, so that means you don't care about me, or you you, you went out with your friends instead of going out with me, so you know you, you're abandoning me, you don't love me. I mean, this is this is this is this is the logic of of you know borderline pathology that you know again can be treated, but they this has to be done in in, in a in a professional environment so I would ask you know I'll go through probably next week or the week after it's or at some point um, you know what are the different questions to ask yourself about you know is there you know if there's fear if there's uh, obligation if there is um, guilt and I think obligation is, is is a really important one because I think we feel as, as, as we're in relationships with people um, you know I feel obligated to, you know, be a good provider in my family. I feel obligated to be a good husband. I feel obligated to be a good uh Professional, I feel obligated to keep my knowledge up to date. Those are not necessarily bad things. But it, but but I I am I am not obligated to make someone else happy. When you when you put when you place the level of obligation, it, it intensifies the level of responsibility, and you know you know. Couples therapy one on one, it's all about vocabulary. It's all about you know people think you know because you're in a relationship with somebody even for a few years that we're mind readers. It it, it took me three four years to figure out even what I do for a living that Julie's an was an introvert. Um, so, I mean, sometimes even those of us in the field don't always see it ourselves, especially, you know, but being, you know, when I'm doing in my, my professional role, I have to, you know, it's, it's kind of a little easier to see it, but we don't always see things as clearly. And when somebody makes you feel like, you know, if you leave me, I'm going to do this, or if, if, if this happens, you know, so if you pay attention, if you're in a relationship with someone, if there's these if-then statements, and realize the emotional volatility that, that comes is protect yourself and take care of your own mental health and safeguard your own mental health because you know this emotional blackmail will make you question your own sanity so i know another question that people have asked we've brought this up in other topics um people have asked and i, I i'm the one that gives out my number to the world so and, I, and, I'm, and i'm fine with that and i and i appreciate the respect and uh that all of you guys have shown and i am glad that we're able to 
communicate uh, just as you know, two people who are incredibly passionate about this, what we do, and uh, hopefully that comes across uh, in in our language. You can probably tell the differences between Julie and I uh, in terms of how we communicate things. But a lot of people have asked about, you know, how do you, what do you do about medication? And um, this is Julie's area, but but borderline is generally medicated like bipolar. But there is there is no medication for it, um, so I'm going to let her jump on and talk about. Uh, and thank you to all of you guys who've reached out in support of what Julia talked about her cause for the horses uh, out in the western part of the United States. Uh, it really is an atrocity. And um, on a positive note, uh, Bruce Springsteen is coming back to the United States, so we're trying to hope to see him as much as I can and hopefully get a chance to meet him at some point. So I'm going to let Julie jump on and talk about this, and I will pop back on at the end. All right, so here you go. Hi everybody. Hi everybody. Um, I missed you. Um, I've been uh, busy dealing with some things, and uh, but I'm back today. I'm very grateful to be back, and um, thank you to all of you who actually missed me. <laughs> um, that was very flattering. Um, so I guess what I I think I think what I'm finding with uh, this podcast and the the clients that we're reaching, well, they're not our clients, but with uh, the human beings that were that reach out to us is um, is one phrase that I that always gets me is it makes so finally something makes sense. Um, you know, I could talk about the realm of medication and how we treat symptoms. If you look very often, bipolar and borderline look alike. Uh, PTSD looks like borderline as well. Um, there's uh, impulsivity, there's irritability, there's agitation, there's extreme mood swings and volatility, there's severe anxiety, and, um, and emotional dysregulation and a, and a low distress tolerance um, for, with, with many situations, um, you know, like, like Cor said, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Sometimes, more often than not, um, interactions can be quite volatile, um, tempestuous, and um, just kind of, uh, let's see, very, um, you know, emotionally, uh, yeah, emotionally charged, irrational, I guess, or seemingly irrational to somebody who's outside that circle. So there's lots of different ways to look at this. Um, I think we've had people who have reached out to us, um, you know, thanking us for the podcast and bringing a kind of a bringing hope to, um, you know, people who think that they do have borderline personality disorder, but at the same time, people who think their you know children have borderline personality disorder, adolescents more more often than children, um, or or a partner. Um, I find that very intriguing um, because I feel like this makes sense to people who are involved with people who struggle with borderline. Um, and like I said, as from a med provider or someone who's coming to us 
with um, symptoms that can mimic borderline, can mimic bipolarity, can mimic PTSD. They often overlap. Sometimes people will have more than one thing going on. They'll have borderline personality, uh, bipolarity, and sometimes PTSD. I have um, several cases like that, and I have over the years. Um, I think the best way to treat um, somebody who, well, first of all, if you're in a relationship with somebody you think has borderline, um, it, it can make you feel crazy. It can make you, you're like banging your head against the wall. It, it, it's, it's so unnecessarily inflammatory at times that it's very difficult to manage and stay um, in with, you know, without feeling um, overwrought, uh, disillusioned, um, and, you know, just very dazed and confused, I guess. Um, and, you know, that is super helpful at that point. If you feel like you're involved with somebody who is struggling with this type of personality, then by all means, get yourself some, get yourself some help. Um, that I think is always the first step for someone who's involved with somebody who is, because it's very, very difficult. You can't treat them. You know, you need a professional to treat them. Um, and if there's a person that you're involved with that doesn't have a lot of insight, um, that is pretty much the gold standard for, um, my, my treatment of borderline personality. Um, it's, it's very difficult to treat when there is no insight. Um, on behalf of the person who struggles with the disorder in the first place. Um, sometimes there'll be families that are really not very well-versed in borderline or personality disorder. So the person that is actually may have insight is the patient, and then the families don't get it. So that, you know, sometimes family interaction like uh, or family therapy can be helpful. Um, can you turn that down just a minute? for 10 minutes. Sorry, I'm boiling corn. Um, but the, I find that the best way to treat someone who has borderline personality disorder, whether they have PTSD as well as uh, anxiety, which they always do, depression, um, and bipolarity at times, is really focusing on um, helping them to get in with a good therapist. Because I think over the years, I've learned, like, I, I, I can pick up on borderline tendencies. It's a vibe. It's like it's a, like a felt experience when you're sitting with somebody. And generally, sometimes you get the vibe right away. Um, and sometimes it takes a year, you know, and you don't really know because they're inevitably, like with transference, countertransference, all that. I don't know how much you guys know about that, but it when you're in a therapy role, even when you're in a med provider role, um, the, eventually if you develop a relationship with one of your clients, um, a professional relationship, um, working with them, they will play things out in the relationship with you. Um, and then you have this response to the way they are playing things out and so it goes. So paying attention to that. So when people, when you kind of, you can sit with somebody and then you get these you get this level of hostility that doesn't really belong there, or there's a um, there's a gaminess or squirreliness about a person's behavior. Um, you know, like I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Oh no, well I am a little suicidal. 
no, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're like, what? So like, there's, there's, there's a thousand things I could describe it as, but I think the most success I've ever had with treating borderline personality in, in, um, is when I, when someone has a neuropsych eval, great. Um, if they can't get a neuropsych eval, usually inevitably it, I know I pick up on it. I know my colleagues pick up on it. I think um, some some of my colleagues are not crazy about working with people with borderline personality, and some are totally fine with it. So it really is just about your comfort level. Um, just like with any population that you serve in your community, you know, you're going to find out what you like to work with, who you like to work with, you know, whether it's schizophrenia or, you know, everybody finds their niche. Um but the most successful cases that I have had have, have always been with my patients who are in therapy with someone who either is very good, um, very collaborative um, with our client's permission. Um, because at the end of every session I have with somebody who I'm working with who happens to have borderline personality, there's almost a perpetual crisis. Um, and that way, when I work with therapists and they work with me, we work very well about how to teach clients how to tease out what is medicatable and what isn't. Is this the borderline stuff or is this... And, and having that rapport with another colleague, meaning a therapist... You, you know, the ideal, ideal treatment is a treatment team. Um, yes, yeah, splitting is a huge factor. I don't know why you want me to talk about that. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, so uh, one of the classic features of borderline personality is splitting. Um, splitting is when, let's say, for example, when a kid goes and asks dad for something, dad says no, so he goes to mom and gets what they want. All right, so this is like classic splitting. This is why unified front parental you know, child rearing is always the best, is having a unified front, right? Um, but with borderlines, they tend to split. And very often they will split between um, professionals um, at times. So, you know, they might pin one against the other or, you know, say something, you know, pr provocative. And, you know, I mean, a, a real professional knows what's being done and what's happening. Um, but at the same time, it really is such a, it's a delicate balance, but once you start working with someone and they're open and they have insight, they don't have, have a ton of insight, but if they're willing and open and they have some pedestrian, even pedestrian understanding of what borderline personality means, um, is that is the way that you can help a person with medication. So, I mean, medication. I've talked about medication a lot, um, but, you know, if there's bipolar, you want a mood stabilizer on board, but, you know, you have to layer it. So if someone has PTSD, borderline, and bipolar, ADHD is, that's like the, like the icing on the cake. That We always treat that last. Um, but, you know, um, lost my train of thought. I see on the cake treat last. Yeah, yeah. All right, sorry. So, so with bipolarity, if I have someone who has bipolar disorder and PTSD and borderline personality, well, getting them into therapy immediately, 
as as quickly as I can. Again, if someone has insight and they're open to treatment, you're it's it's an opportunity to be able to teach your clients, your patients, whatever you call your clients or your patients. It gives you the opportunity to educate and teach and empower this person. So I think the thing about borderline personality is it can be very lonely business. And um, it's not, it, it's a, it is very lonely business being, you know, struggling with this disorder. It's, it's, it affects all of your relationships um, and your most important relationships. And it can, you know, and, and it can feel very helpless and people who do not know what's happening. Like I said in the very beginning of when I spoke today, I'll say it again, is, wow, it just makes so much sense. I get it now. And these are people who have struggled for years not knowing what the heck is going on. They've tried medication trials that don't work. Well, because they don't. Um, if sometimes, you know, like I've used medications and miraculously it actually has a positive infa- in, impact on. I've had a few patients with borderline personality who I've used Vralar for. And Vralar and uh, Rexalti, both known for helping. And even though there were bipolar medications um, and atypical antipsychotics, they're newer, they're, they're still trade, they're not generic. Um, but you know, those can be helpful for someone who has borderline. Again, talk to your medication provider about all that. Um, mood stabilizers, they either work or they don't. Um, but if someone is just straight up borderline, uh, it's a crapshoot. Um, you know, we might be able to assuage someone's anxiety. If they don't have bipolar, but it, they're anxious and depressed, you can treat that. So as long as there's no bipolarity, you can go kind of forward and say, okay, let's look at um, SSRIs or SNRIs um, or a, 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 com- a combination of something. And, you know, there's so many different variables. So um, it's such a fascinating, I hate the word disorder. It's such a fascinating personality disorder because whenever you see, look at how intrigued people are to our program. It's fascinating. People are fascinated by this. This is something that, you know, if you see on television, like we talked about the different movies, the books, Walking on Eggshells. What's the other one you... Uh, I Hate You Don't Leave Me. I Hate You Don't Leave Me. That's a classic. I don't even think that's in print anymore. I have it right there. Yeah, I think it's a previously owned copy. But... um. I hate you. Don't don't leave me. Sirene's dance. I say it again. Um, a friend of mine wrote that. Um, it, he penned it. I, I, that's not really important, but it's an amazing story about a doctor, uh, a psychiatrist who fell in love with the borderline, um, a woman who was borderline, and and it just it just portrays. Some of the behaviors, it doesn't mean that that is just, I mean, it's almost classic um, in the story. Um, so Sirene's Dance, if you, if you really want to learn more about, like, just reading a story about someone's experience with someone who had borderline, someone in the field. So um, anyway, I, that, that, that one I had... Um, that one hit home for me. Um, I really love the story aspect of it and um, the dance. It's just um, so, and the power that someone 
with borderline, you know, they feel powerless. Um, and I can't generalize that um, to, you know, that doesn't mean everyone feels powerless who has borderline. I'm not saying that. But in order to behave in the way they can behave at times in different various situations, in the way they react and respond to different situations, it really is, you know, it's, it's in, I think they act powerful. Um, sometimes it, there can be bullying. Um, like, I hate you, don't leave me, imagine that. You know, I hate you, I hate you, throwing things at you, but the minute this person leaves, because the, the, the classic symptom is fear of abandonment. And of course, everybody's afraid to be abandoned. So, I mean, and a lot of this has to be looked at in terms of tendencies, too. It's on a continuum. Some people may have traits. Some people may have full-blown, you know, they could be, you know, very, very borderline. But um, I'm not really a diagnostician in that area. My husband is. Um, but I think the important thing is that people are talking more about this and that we are spreading awareness. And I am, I am beside myself at how many people who have reached out to us and my husband um, just feeling a sense of relief because they had no idea for all this time, whether it was themselves um, or, or a family member, a parent or a sibling or a partner or a friend, um, a boss. You know, there, there, are, there are people out there that you come across and it's like, wait, what is going on? Like, this is not. So um, that's what I wanted to say. And I just want to say I, I missed you guys. Um, thank you for your patience on my end. Um, sorry I was so quiet for a few weeks. Um, but hopefully um, we'll be back in action and I will be able to check in with you to, uh, next week as well. God bless you, and um, be safe, and take care of yourselves. Thank you, Julie. So, again, continuing to shed light on this, um, but I wanted to, there was one thing I had made a note of that I wanted to share. That borderline uh, is actually a, a relatively new diagnosis in terms of, um, you know, the, the different versions of the DSM. But this is a quote by... Thomas Sindahan, who was a 17th century uh, English physician on hysterics. You know, those are the old, you know, old terminology, neuroses, hysterics, uh, which is kind of equivalent to today's, our diagnosis of borderline personality. There's Julie with the water again. He said, all is caprice. They love without measure those whom they will soon hate without reason. And I think that, you know, if you go back, you know, this just because we have the nomenclature now, it was there a long time ago. But I do think the prevalence rates are much higher um, as society has changed. Uh, the world's become more fragmented and, and the attachments, uh, and that's really the core basis of, of borderline is insecure attachments early on. Um, but I do like the eggshells book as a professional. I think it's been, a, a, a hopefully from the feedback I've gotten, it's been a helpful way. And I, and I totally agree with Julie. Like, you know, a lot of people is like, oh, I never, I, some, I've never heard of that before, but that makes perfect sense. 
And there are different, many different variations and 120 different combinations. I'm just using the four from the eggshells authors. Um, and again, why I'm such a strong proponent of neuropsych testing because um, it's able to really delineate what it is, if it is borderline, if it's the true disorder, if it's just features, if it's tendencies, if it's comorbid with something else. So I would definitely encourage you, uh, if it's yourself that's struggling or questioning this, in order to to get a full neuropsych eval. Also, um, if you have a family member struggling with this, to get a full neuropsych eval. And uh, again, if you are in relationship with somebody, get into therapy. Uh, this is a, this is a difficult disorder. And I said it, it will make you question your own sanity, and um, again, you you can be you can be a you can be a partner on the train. It's not your job to be the conductor. All right. So until next time, uh, feel free to get in contact with me. With re- reach out through Psychology Today. You can contact me through Psychology Unplugged at Outlook.com. You can follow us on Instagram at psychology underscore unplugged underscore. Uh, we're posting more things. Uh, hopefully, you guys get lots of likes and we enjoy it. You know, the Bruce Springsteen stuff. Yes, that's me. But I'm also doing some of the other stuff. And Julie's doing a lot as well. And you can even contact me directly at uh, 617-750-9411 is my personal and professional cell phone. And if we could be of help in any way, um, that's why we do what we do. So until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, be well, and I will talk to you guys. Bye.